It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. A big loss for the Orlando Magic. The NBA Finals continue, and we get to meet Paolo Bancaro with a good with a good friend of ours, or a new friend of ours, in J.J. Jackson. It's a Monday edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 6, 2022. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk with J.J. Jackson of Locked On Blue Devils to learn a little bit more about Paolo Bancaro. Of course, you can go back and listen to our guests uh, that joined us to talk about Jabari Smith as well as Chet Holmgren. Last week, today, we take on Paolo Bancaro, the last of the big three uh, in this draft class as the Orlando Magic hold the number one pick. So we'll dive in a little bit into what makes Paolo Bancaro a potential number one pick, uh, where some of the concerns are, and why some of those concerns may not be as much concerns. As I've said before, I am not here, at least at this point, to advocate for any one prospect. We'll get to that in a little bit, um, in, in a few weeks' time here. Right now, we just want to introduce you to some of these prospects as well as talk about them more. We'll dive. I, I, someone mentioned to me, why are we just focusing on these big three repeatedly? Well, these are the kind of the consensus big three. My evaluation of them is that these are the big three, but we will dive into some of the other uh, dark horse candidates, if you will, for the number one pick uh, that we know the Magic like. Uh, I talked a little bit about Keegan Murray last week, so we'll dive deeper into him as well as Shaden Sharp uh, later on this week. So we'll, we got plenty of draft coverage. We'll talk second round picks and potential late first two. So Big, busy draft week for us coming up here. But we got some news to get to before we get to the interview and some things to do as well. First, we want to thank you, though, for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. No matter when you listen to us, we truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day and part of your listening habits. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Before we get into the conversation uh, with JJ about Paolo Bancaro, um, a, a big event happened late Friday, or at least news broke late Friday, um, that while it, it won't affect this year's draft process as much, it, it, it's a pretty big deal and a pretty big loss for the Orlando Magic. On Friday, Adrian Wojnarowski was the first report, and it was later confirmed by Kobe Price of the Orlando Sentinel, as well as later confirmed by The Athletic, the Minnesota Timberwolves are hiring Vice President of Basketball Operations, uh, or I think he's Senior Vice President of Basketball Operations. I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly what his title is. Uh, Matt Lloyd. Matt Lloyd has been a member of the Orlando Magic front office for the last ten years. He came over to Orlando with Rob Hennigan. Was a very trust, you know, was a very kind of trusted uh, advi- advisor or, or assistant 
to Hennigan. And while that probably doesn't make Magic fans feel all warm and fuzzy, um, at, Lloyd actually did a really good job uh, from, from everything that I've heard, uh, all my interactions with him. Um, he is well thought of around the league. As I pointed out, uh, when, once this news came out, um, it's a big loss for Orlando because it's someone that has a lot of institutional knowledge about the Orlando Magic, um, knows what they like, uh, was one of the few Rob Hennigan guys that Jeff Weltman kept on staff. He was named the interim general manager when Rob Hennigan left. That tells you how much the Magic and their ownership group thought about him. And he's someone that's been up for the big job for a general manager job uh, over the last few years. I do think it's only a matter of time before Matt Lloyd is indeed running a franchise. Matt Lloyd's job with the Orlando Magic uh, was essentially, uh, not essentially, it, it was listed in the media guide that he was in charge of the Magic's pro, uh, college, and international scouting. Essentially, Matt Lloyd runs the draft. Um, that is one of his responsibilities. He runs all the preparations, gets all the data, uh, all the information, gets it into a form that Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, and the rest of the front office staff, and I'm sure they do it in tandem. It's a very kind of team-oriented thing. He's the one that gets the information to the decision makers so that they can make a decision. Now, do they always make the right decision? Obviously not. Um, but Matt Loy, I, I, tell, I tell people this all the time, NBA front offices are mini intelligence agencies. Matt Lloyd is super valuable. He's been... Uh, um, uh, someone that has been in front office in the front office space has worked in the NBA since 1996 when he was in the video room with the Chicago Bulls. He's been he worked for the Chicago Bulls front office starting full time starting in 1999. So he has ample and tons of experience uh, here to have connections around the league, have connections in scouting circles, uh, just to be someone who can help this team make the best decisions possible. Um, the t- a lot of fans came to me and asked, you know, is this timing weird? Is this timing bad? And the reality is this timing is not bad. Matt Lloyd was actually on an episode of Miked Up, um, the Bally Sports Florida podcast, uh, and and said, uh, this was a few weeks ago, said essentially that the Magic's draft process is 80% done. They've done all the scouting. They've done all the video work. All those kind of dossiers or, whatever, or scouting reports um, are are done. Uh, the team has a good sense of who these players are as players. The last step, the last thing that's added in is who these players are as people. I've said this a million times. I will continue to say this. One of the most important parts of this draft process of what the Magic are doing right now um, is getting these players in for interviews getting to know who they are as people. Um, that's really the last stage of the draft process. And and that's really where we're at right now. And again, that's stuff that involves Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. So uh, it, 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 it starts to hurt when you're starting to prepare for free agency, perhaps, because that's also under, that would also be under um, Lloyd's purview, uh, who to target in free agency. Um, certainly there's, there's some rumors that the Magic are looking to bring in some international players. Um, there's that one rumor that came out a, a while back about a, uh, a about a player that, that the Magic were, were planning to bring in. I think he was playing in Spain, um, a backup center actually. Uh, there, it's it's going to be felt elsewhere, and Orlando's going to have to move quickly to kind of fill this spot. I, I kind of think that they will stay internal. That they'll hire Anthony, that they'll promote Anthony Parker, um, who ran the Lakeland Magic, which is again a very dra- a very scout heavy position. Um, I think that he will come in and start to fill some of those roles. You know, you might have John Hammond drop down and fill some of that some of that role too until they either find a new hire or they bring someone into the job. Um, again, 
Matt Lloyd is one of the nicest dudes in the world. I, I've had pl- a lot of interaction with him. Uh, just a really genuinely good person. Uh, I am personally very, very happy for him uh, that, that this is a the role that he wanted, that he probably pursued, or a role that was an opportunity that was offered to him. Um, and obviously, he felt like it was the best choice for him at this moment. Ten years with one NBA team is a really long time. So, uh, congratulations to Matt Lloyd. Um, I left a thought dangling, um, as I pointed out. After uh, after this news broke, um, a Tim Connolly, the, uh, the new general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, is a big time general manager, big time executive. He was he ran the Denver Nuggets before leaving for Minnesota. He's handpicking the people that he wants to work with here. Um, so on that front, uh, the thought that I left dangling, uh, it is both it is bad that the Magic are losing a really talented and, and good person uh, and 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 a, and a trusted person within their front office. It's bad that that's happening. It is good that other teams want the Magic's personnel. Um, it is good that they want that to happen. Um, I told this story on the Orlando Magic UK podcast, Penny, for your thoughts. I'm a Northwestern fan. Uh, I went to Northwestern. Northwestern essentially had the same offensive and defensive coordinator from my sophomore year of college in 2007 uh, all the way to, to what, what, two, three years ago, till 2019, 2018. Um, that stability is great, but a lot of us kind of joked, you know, the NFL has come calling for Pat Fitzgerald already. Um, why aren't other teams, why aren't other organizations, why aren't other people trying to poach our coaches? Why aren't our coaches going for head coaching jobs? Uh, ultimately as, as an executive, I think you do want to see, uh, the people that you're working with have this kind of growth and kind of take these extra steps and take these next steps. And, and I do think that this is a next step for, for Matt Lloyd. And, you know, hopefully we do see him as a general manager or as a president of basketball operations or whatever they, whatever title they want to give him where he's actually making decisions. Um, hopefully we do see that very soon because it does sound like Lloyd is knocking on the door for that. Orlando's going to have to work to replace him, obviously, and, and they'll have to kind of find a way to push themselves forward. Before we get into our conversation uh, about uh, Paolo Bancaro, we'll dive maybe a little bit more into, into Game 2 of the NBA Finals on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic, but I would be remiss if I did not at least glance over uh, over the fact that the NBA Finals happened, that Game 2 happened, the Golden State Warriors dominating the Boston Celtics 107-88, to the Celtics shooting uh, 15 for 37 from deep, so they're still able to hit a ton of threes, Golden State also 15 for 37, but... Uh, Warriors just able to shoot the ball a lot better on the interior. That's that. That's really, I think, what this 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 series is coming down to. Um, three point shooting. Both teams are are really three point dependent. Uh, but a big reason why I think Golden State ended up losing that game one is they stopped going to the paint. They stopped attacking the paint. You know, Curry was settling for that three point shot. He was trying to trying to create for himself because no one else was really doing much. Uh, but really settled on the perimeter. I think that 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 really, really hurt Golden State and allowed Boston to come back, who did do a good job attacking the paint, who did do a good job getting in the lane and, and making things happen. Um, we'll talk more NBA Finals. I'll save that discussion for tomorrow um, as, as, as you know we look at Game 2 heading into Game 3 on Wednesday. But you want to hear more about Paolo Bancaro. Uh, he's sort of become the third wheel in this draft conversation. There's a lot of people, you know, I'm still a big Paolo Bancaro guy. You'll hear me talk a little bit about him and my thoughts on him during this conversation. Um, you know, he's a guy that I've really had my eye on. I think there's a lot to like about him. Again, I I, I, I will say this repeatedly. This is a three, this is truly a three-person race for the top pick in the draft. All three players are certainly 
good options for the Orlando Magic to take here in this draft. So we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit. We'll talk about Paolo Bancaro, really dive into him coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Before we get to our conversation with JJ Jackson, we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks again for all your help. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. We are now joined by the host of Locked On Duke, J.J. Jackson, to learn a little bit more about Paolo Bancaro. J.J., how's it going, man? Going very well. Excited to get this opportunity to uh, chat about the NBA draft possibilities for Paolo. It's a really exciting time of year. The last decade has been very exciting for Duke basketball with a lot of players that possibly could go number one, and we'll see if that happens here with Paolo Bancaro this year. Thanks for the invite, man. Absolutely. I mean, obviously Duke has the pedigree, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of great picks, you know, the NBA finals going on right now, Jason Tatum. I, I think even, I think there's been people calling Paolo thick Tatum a little bit here because, because there's a little bit of similarity between their games, but um, let's, let's start with Paolo before we get into kind of the projections of what he could be one day. Uh, what were sort of the, the first impressions of Paolo Bancaro as, as he was entering Duke and, and in kind of those early games uh, for, for the Blue Devils this season? Yeah, I mean, really impressive start to the season for Duke. And I think it kind of goes back to what I said about over the past decade. You know, you've had this run of somebody like Jason Tatum starring in the NBA or somebody like Wendell Carter Jr., who Magic fans have grown to know over the past few seasons, where it really is a one-and-done school. Every year you're getting used to an entire new lineup. 
out there for the most part for Duke. And so when you look at Paulo coming in, being a top five recruit in the country and now set up to be a top five NBA draft pick, obviously, you know, this guy is going to be a really good basketball player. And probably what jumped out right away watching the first few games was just how versatile of a basketball player he is. And I think versatility is probably the biggest thing that jumps off the screen when you're watching a player like Paulo. And in the evaluations, that's a word that I've heard a whole lot. It's a word that I was personally saying a lot through the season. As a Duke fan, you felt good because you did have the versatility of your bigs on the inside with Paulo and then Mark Williams as your rim protector. So uh, at the start of the season, really just his ability to do it all, to put it on the floor, to shoot from the outside, to be a great defender, rebounder, all those things Paulo was able to do. And it's not a surprise because he was one of the top recruits coming in and Duke has had proven uh, success with top recruits turning into good college basketball players and then ultimately turning into good NBA pros. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I, when I watched Duke games, like a, the first thing that always stuck out to me is Paolo is just bigger than everybody, uh, you know, again, and, and he's playing alongside a pretty big dude in Mark Williams, but it was hard not to notice Paolo on the floor, even when he didn't have the basketball. But, but obviously I think the big skill that, that NBA scouts have been looking at something that I've really highlighted when, in my evaluation of him is his ability to just score the ball. It, it, it feels like to me among at least the top guys in this draft class, you know, obviously the, it feels like the magic are picking between Paolo Jabari Smith Jr. of Auburn and Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga, it feels like Paolo is the best kind of individual score, the best give the ball to him and clear out and let him just score. What what is the key to his success? Do you, do you feel do you feel that way first off? Um, and and what is the key to his success as an offensive player? One hundred percent. I think scoring has been the easiest thing that he's ever done. He walked in scoring. It felt like to his college career. I think it's just his ability to do so many different things, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, and and getting to watch the other two prospects a good bit throughout the season. Of course, we had that Duke and Gonzaga game, the head-to-head matchup, uh, and seeing a lot of Jabari Smith Jr. this past season. I thought Paula was just so great at putting the ball on the floor and finishing at the rim so easily and wasn't afraid to do something like that. And then throughout the season, I felt like there was more confidence growing in his jump shot. I think when you're a player of his caliber and your whole life you've been the scorer, it's not that big of an adjustment to go to a new team and be the scorer again because for Paulo, this is just what he's been doing. And then the other big thing uh, with the makeup that I really, really like about Paulo Bancaro, and, and not to slight any of the other two prospects, but Paulo has grown up in basketball. Paulo is from the Seattle, Washington area. You and I are big-time basketball fans. We know that Seattle hooping, hooping community is so big. I mean, he's in a gym. He's posting workouts with Jamal Crawford when he's 15, 16 years old. Zach Levine is someone that Paulo references quite frequently. Nate Robinson is a flag bearer for Seattle Hoopers. I mean, they're just all over the place. And he's been around the game, great players his entire life, playing against those guys as early as 13 years old, guys that are actively in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas, another left-handed point guard to throw into the mix. How can you not benefit from that? from such a young age and to be able to score the basketball the way he was. That's what's just so impressive about Paulo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 again, he just, to me, he just stands out on the court. And I think there's, there's, there's a, a whole lot to like um, for me, like one of the, the key moments of the season, I'd like to get your, your, your take on, on both this moment and, and maybe what, what your kind of key moment was for him. 
like a key moment for me was in the game against Arkansas in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Duke was up big for a good chunk of that game. And then Arkansas, I remember, cut that lead down to five, like midway through the second half. And I remember specifically watching that game and they went to, they, they essentially cleared the floor out for Paolo on two straight possessions and he got them a bucket. And, and from that point that the game was over, it was just like that, that was, that was kind of the, the death nail. And I remember, I remember tweeting this and, and, and telling, you know, my, my reader, my, my listeners, my audience, you know, it, it, I don't think it's nothing that in a possession where Duke needed a basket in a big closeout game, they went to their freshman forward and he got them two buckets. And, and I, I, I was like, that's, you know, I, I don't think it's everything, but that that's not nothing. It, is that kind of, you know, from a day-to-day experience, was that kind of what, did, what Duke looked for from Paolo, just the guy that would settle the, settle the offense down, get them a basket when they needed? What, what's kind of the moment that stood out to you uh, with Paolo where you were thinking like, oh, this isn't just a, a really good score. This is a guy who could be the number one pick in the draft. I think it's several big moments for Paulo, and certainly not one against Arkansas in the Elite Eight. As you said, it's a five-point game in the second half, and it's do-or-die time. Like, your season is on the line. Duke is trying to go to the Final Four. Keep in mind, for basketball fans out there and for people that aren't in the Duke community, you don't see this all the time, or certainly not in the college basketball world, because Duke did get a lot of press this past season. But the fact that Mike Krzyzewski had said before the year even started that this would be his final year, an absolute titan in the sport. Nobody has had more wins in the sport than him. Five national championships now, 13 Final Fours when you factor in this past season. In my opinion, the greatest college basketball coach of all time. That's tremendous pressure for 18-year-olds to walk into a setting and to know that everybody's going to be watching you, not only because you play for Duke and you've got this great brand, but because it's Coach K's final year. And in every moment this season, Duke and Paula Bencaro rose to the test, rose to the challenge. And uh, for a Duke team that hadn't won an outright ACC regular season title since 2006, which is pretty crazy to think about because That's they've crazy. had NCAA crazy. tournament success and they've had ACC tournament success just sometimes with freshmen throughout a long season you've got some clunky losses that pop up throughout the year that never really happened this season for Duke to go wire to wire and to win the ACC the way they did on the biggest stage you talk about the first game of the season the very first game of the season you're going up against John Calipari in Kentucky a few weeks later we'll get to this a little bit later in our conversation I'm sure but we saw Paulo Bancaro played Chet Holmgren basically one-on-one in that Duke-Gonzaga game. Paulo rose to the test. Throughout the year, no matter what the stage was, no matter how bright the lights were, he always wanted the basketball in his hands, and Duke was at their best when he was playing his best. Yeah, and and you know, obviously I think uh, it's probably a little late in the podcast to be bringing, bringing up his numbers, but the, the counting stats, 17.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists per game, 47.8% shooting. 33.8% from beyond the arc. Just to, and, and, and I'm sure those numbers don't capture everything about Paolo either. Um, but again, the counting stats are all there. All, all the all the numbers are there to say like this this kid has it. Um, but obviously, you know, there's there's a lot that every young player needs needs to work on. You know, I think there's maybe some criticism about his shooting, some criticisms about his defense. For you, what is the the biggest area that Paolo needs to continue improving as he as he jumps into the NBA? I would say, honestly, just refining every part of your game. And I don't want that to be necessarily a cop-out answer, but we talked about how versatile he was this season. I don't know necessarily that there is an overwhelming 
area that it's like, yes, that has to absolutely improve. I mean, if you're looking at uh, comparing the prospects, the shot from the outside for Paulo is obviously the weakest of the three. I think he's well aware of that. So becoming more of a consistent jump shooter, I think is going to be paramount, but also with his 6'10", 250-pound frame, to be able to walk in immediately day one at the NBA and to not be intimidated by the size of some of the absolute stars in the league, I think is a great thing for Paulo, and I think he's going to be able to go and find buckets around the rim pretty easily. But to, to highlight one to improve, definitely would probably be refining the outside shot a little bit. I mean, quickness is always something that you really focus on when you join a new coaching staff and that sort of thing. Uh, the sports science staff at Duke was so remarkable with Paulo. Just a quick story with the Gonzaga game with so many eyeballs on it, and it actually happened in the Kentucky game to start the year a good bit. Paulo was cramping up, if folks can remember, at the start of the season and really didn't get to play much of the second half at all against Gonzaga. Duke sports science staff was able to find out through research that Paulo loses seven pounds of weight during a basketball game from water and sweat leaving his body, which is insane. And they were able to help him work on his hydration, make sure he was putting in the correct fluids before games started, during games and that sort of thing. And so he's already been somebody in his career. I think that's a reason to be excited as well, that when something comes up, he's actively looking for a solution. Fortunately, he was at a school like Duke who could give him those resources to do that. But uh, yeah, I'm just fired up to see what kind of a pro he can turn into. We mentioned Jason Tatum a little bit earlier. I love the thick Tatum shout outs because I just love Duke basketball players doing their thing out there. And I think Paulo is going to be one of the next ones to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, I will say this, it, you know, all three of these top guys are really good players and, 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 you know, the magic are having to like kind of split hairs to figure out who they're going to take. It is I, I, like, like literally I tell my, I tell magic fans this all the time. Don't get into your camps. Don't get into teams. Don't fight over these prospects. They're all really, really good. And, and, you know, I, like I, I've had Paolo number one on my board for, for a long time. And, like I like I'll I'll be honest like I still change my pick hourly it feels like sometimes um just because it all these guys are are, yeah. are super super close um I, I think one of the the big criticisms that I've seen from NBA draft people when it comes to Paolo is is his defense um and, and I think you know I think we saw at times that he was he's a really he can be a really capable defender but at other times you know maybe there was a little bit there's a little bit of, of relaxing on, on that end of the floor. And, you know, he's such an important score. You know, I don't think Duke was relying on him to defend the best player on the other, on the other team. What, what is your opinion of, of Paolo's defense? And, and is this something that, that NBA scouts should be concerned about? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Like I said, I, I'm somebody that watches Duke and obviously probably has uh, some blue devil tinted glasses on when I'm watching <laughs> things which is totally fair. When you look at sort of um, criticisms for any of the prospects coming out of Duke, I think it's all important to keep in mind when you're watching them as opposed to some of the other players. Gonzaga, not necessarily the case as poorly as Auburn, but I know one of the criticisms when you're watching Auburn play college basketball, it's Jabari Smith Jr., then it's Walker Kessler a little bit on the interior, and then it's players that aren't going to see the NBA likely in their professional careers, and not as smart of basketball players. So they're being asked to do a whole lot more. For Paulo carrying so much of the offensive load the way that he did for Duke and knowing that he had great players around him, right now Duke's trying to become just the second school ever 
to have five first-round picks this year. Duke's never done it before. It's only happened once over a decade ago in 2010 by Kentucky. But when you've got defensively Mark Williams, the greatest rim protector in all of college basketball, a lottery pick as well this season, I think you're willing to take it a little bit easier because you know Mark's going to be able to clean it up on the inside. Matchups are always funny when it comes to Duke and some of the teams that they're playing as well because Duke is so big in a lot of the sport in college basketball. You get into some of those games, you're playing against smaller, quicker guards. Uh, And so I think that's kind of a way to look at maybe some of the defensive flaws for Paulo. I think they're fair, but I would not have that scare me from taking him because, again, when something came up, he was always quick to make adjustments to what he needed to improve on. here on the podcast feed to make sure that you know to go listen to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Yes, once you're done with us, after done making us your first listen every day, go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by our friend Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, Player Rankings, and of course, Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. You're not preparing for the draft right unless you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, and and, and I, I want to make this clear too. Like, it, like I, I think, like whatever. Like, I, I obviously you watch more Paolo, you watch more Duke. You're more familiar with the context than I am. I would watch some Duke games, and I'd see Paolo make this incredible defensive play, and I'd be like, okay, like he has it in them. And then, you know, maybe two, three possessions later, he wouldn't rotate, you know, fast enough, or wouldn't get get there fast enough, and I'd be like, okay, like I like I know you can get there, but it's it's obviously obviously there's a huge context, like you're saying saying in there, and and you know again. And this is kind of the next point I want to get to. Um, The NBA is a much different animal than college, both defense, both the way defenses play you and the way the way he's playing defense there. You know, there's obviously no zone defense. There's a lot more kind of complicated defensive schemes. And, you know, even coming to a team like Orlando, he will have good defenders around him, whether he's playing with Franz Wagner, whether he's playing with Wendell Carter. You know, if the Magic keep Mo Bamba, they'll have another shot blocker back there. Jonathan Isaac's kind of hate. Jonathan Isaac's still hanging around. You have, you know, Jalen Suggs was a, was a fantastic defender last year. So, you know, getting, uh, getting into a defensive environment and, and, and having a, having a culture where, you know, like coach K, like coach K is I'm sure very into, very into defense as, as a foundation too. You don't necessarily see the floor if you're not at least capable defensively at Duke. But um, to that point, um, the college game is very, very different from the NBA game. Um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's, that's the understatement of, of the century. Um, do you feel like Paolo is the kind of player that w- will succeed more with the NBA spacing that that that's out there? You know, with not having to deal with the zone defense, with you know not having to deal with sort of the congested court. You know, ha- like 
having a Wendell Carter, you know, no Mark Williams, really good player. I think he's a, he's a clear first rounder. I have him. I, I, he's probably going to be just out of range for where, I, where I'd like the magic to trade back into the second round, back into the first round to try and get him. Um, but Wendell Carter can step out to the three point line. You know, Mark Williams does, doesn't necessarily yeah. have that range. How, how much value, how much more valuable will Paolo become when he gets to the NBA? And, and there is just this, you know, ample space with kind of the five out offenses that we see in the NBA today. Yeah, well, I'll say when you're looking at the three prospects that we talked about, the floor and the spacing in college basketball didn't deter Paulo necessarily offensively whatsoever. He made it work. So I think he's obviously going to be able to do that at the NBA when you're exactly right. Watching those games, the spacing is unbelievable. And when Paulo is so comfortable with the ball in his hands, driving to the rim, finishing, we saw him throw lobs to Mark Williams throughout the years. And you're mentioning all the bigs that are there and would love a lob coming their way, uh, that that Paulo to Wendell Carter Jr., a Duke-to-Duke connection, would be outstanding to sort of watch and see. So uh, I think absolutely he's going to benefit from a larger court. You think about another big difference that folks discuss, college basketball to the pro game. There's clearly a six-second difference in the shot clock when you're watching the sport, so it's going to be quicker. Guys are going to have to be more reactive, and I think that benefits ball handlers and drivers more because they got to be quick, and the defense has to be quicker to set their feet and get in the way. So uh, I think that definitely spacing will be an added bonus, a benefit for Paulo's game going to the next level. You agree? Yes. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, like, I say this about uh, pretty much any big-time big time prospect. They have no clue how much space they're going to be getting in the NBA compared to college. Like that, even like the narrower lane in the college game right. is just like just like cramps everything. And like, like this is no offense to people who enjoy college basketball, but like as as an NBA guy, sometimes I find it really difficult to watch college games because it's just like there's just like no space for these guys to move. It's just like it's it's hard. Like like I know I'm watching games with an NBA perspective, and so I'll watch I'll watch like Paolo on a mid post up and. And they'll they'll there there will be a, a a help defender already kind of shading over to him, and he'll be within shouting distance of his man already because the space the space on the floor is just so congested. And obviously, the three point lines closer in, so everyone kind of sets their offense a little bit closer in too. Um, and so just you know having the potential to say run a pick and roll with Paolo and like Markel Fultz, like Wendell Carter is going to be pushed out to the corner or pushed you know pushed out to the short to the short corner. That's going to give Paolo a lot more room to dive to the basket. Fultz is, you know, again, no offense to to, to Duke point guards, but Marco sure. Fultz can can squeeze the ball into the tightest window possible. Like he he will he will find you if you are open on a pick and roll. Um, and so it, like the spacing is uh, he's going to benefit so much from the spacing. You know, like I'll admit I was a little bit low on Jason Tatum coming out coming out of coming out of Duke, and the, like kind of the lesson that I learned there is like you can't trust college spacing so much like Tatum didn't have the room to operate that he has in the NBA right now. And obviously we've kind of seen how, how Tatum has, has skyrocketed, um, you know, just, just making that, you know, it's obviously easy to make comparisons between two guys that went to the same school, kind of ran the same system, but you know, to that point it is it to, to you is, is Paolo a guy that will show more as he gets to the NBA? Is there, is there a, a Duke player? Or is there someone that, that you would compare him to, uh, from his time at Duke, looking ahead to now preparing for the NBA. Yeah, I, I love that question because when you were talking about sort of the benefits of going to the NBA game and not necessarily seeing 
uh, what you're seeing on the floor. We've talked a lot about Tatum. We've given some love to Wendell Carter Jr. clearly playing there for the Magic. But the other name that comes to mind, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, kind of what you were thinking when he was coming out to be drafted compared to where he's at now. But the player that Brandon Ingram was at Duke to then going to be a top three pick at the association and now being a star for the Pelicans, like that's another guy that played in the same system as Paulo Bencaro that was surrounded by more NBA players that are still playing in the league. Duke had a lot of back and forth that year with Brandon Ingram, Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, who were all doing their things starting for their NBA teams. And, and for Ingram to take the next step the way that he has, like Jason Tatum, being more comfortable with the ball in his hands at the next level. Obviously, the very first thing to put out there the body structure of Brandon Ingram versus Paulo is very <laughs> a little, different. A bit different. Very bit different, different. But uh, that's just another name in recent memory within the last. I'm telling you, it's a one and done factory at Duke. We got a lot it's, of these guys to put on that, that that early 2000s reputation that Duke had of having these really great college teams, but just not able to produce <laughs> NBA players. Like that that reputation is is dead. Like <laughs> honestly, like I think a reason to pick Paolo Bancaro is this long line of really good Duke kind of big forwards. You know, right. Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram are great examples of, of those kind of guys who thrived in the college game. You know, they all, I think they do play very similarly. Like I see some people and I, I like your, your take on this. I see some people call Paolo uh, a big, like a, a four or five. And I'm just like, no, he's, he's a three, four. I want him out on the perimeter. Like, yeah. Put him in the mid post, put him in the low post. Like, I, I think he has really good footwork and I think he has a really smart, you know, I think if a smaller defender's on him, drop him in the post and I think he's going to be able to score score on him pretty easily. But um, he's he's someone that I think can work facing up, you know, sort of like, I, I, I view him, you know, I don't think he's as gifted as a scorer as Carmelo Anthony was in his freshman year at Syracuse, but I, I view him as sort of that kind of player where you stick him in the, you stick him in the mid post, kind of clear out the floor, maybe create a, create some cutting actions. Um, and, and see what he can do because, you know, we, we haven't touched on this yet. You've touched on it a little bit, but um, Paolo Bancaro is a much better passer than I think he showed it at, at Duke. Uh, you know, the numbers don't show, I think, how good of a passer passer he is. And so I think you could, I think you could do a lot with him with the ball in his hands. Absolutely. And I, I think you're exactly right with what you were saying there and talking about Paolo's uh, passing ability. I think it will improve. You'll see more of it. Uh, that was one of the frustrating pieces to critique Duke's season this past year, oftentimes in games they didn't play as well, immediately on Lockdown Blue Devils, we would talk about, well, what were the assists compared to baskets made for this team at the college game? And when you've got so many guys, like I said, trying to have five first-round picks this season, guys want to get theirs. They want to get their shots. Sometimes the ball can slow up a little bit. But when you talk about Paulo going to that four or five slot as opposed to being a bigger wing out there, you do not benefit from kind of putting an, a cap on Paulo and saying, stay close to the basket, make things happen that way. That does you no good as an offense, as an NBA team. He's truly going to be at his best when, yes, you ask him to do some of those things, great. He's going to fare pretty well. He is 6'10", 250 after all, and he does score very well around the rim. But you get more out of letting him have the basketball in his hands, getting you into some offensive sets. It doesn't have to be a ball hawk and do this every single time, but you do need to have him outside on the wing a little bit more to let him make plays. Yeah, like I, I, I've seen, I think it's, I think the ringer comparison to Julius Randle, I'm just like, they're, they're nothing alike. <laughs> like those, those are not the same two players in, in, in my book, or at least that's, that's how I would use them. 
uh, when I got there. Um, obviously, you watch Duke every single day. Like I, I pop in maybe for a, a big game. I've watched a fair amount of Paolo Bancaro, but like I'm popping in for a big game and silly tournament, ACC tournament, those those kind of games. What's something about Paolo's game that you wouldn't necessarily see or that you see and saw develop day to day, game to game that we wouldn't see if we're just popping in for, for a game here or there? That's a good question. Um, and, and it's kind of wild to think about, uh, you know, having, a, again, the Duke Blue Devil goggles on that people aren't consuming. No, leave them on. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the thing is, too, with that, I mean, at a school like Duke, you're on television pretty much every single night. So people are always watching your games. Uh, and, and what's taking place there. Really what impressed me the most about Paulo was just his ability, honestly, to be more confident in himself as the season progressed. And not necessarily that he was shy in confidence at all, but I think when you're put in a, an environment like that where this clearly is not high school or AAU basketball anymore, where you really are with elite players playing for a legendary coach who, as I said a little bit earlier, says, I'm walking away from the sport after 42 years, and Coach K has his last ride, his last dance, his swan song, to have all those eyeballs on you and to still be more and more comfortable as the season progressed, to be more versatile offensively, to show off the passing ability, to step up to the test. Every single time there were doubts about Paulo, and and we saw it in the game against Gonzaga in Las Vegas. You cannot watch that first half of basketball and walk away saying without a doubt that Chet Holmgren is the better basketball player because when they went head-to-head, Paulo won. In every way you look at that, he was the more comfortable player in that setting. JJ, that's only 20 minutes of basketball. Okay, fair, but that's the only 20 minutes of basketball that we have of them sharing the same court, kind of going at it one-on-one on on that big of a stage to walk away with that opinion. He never shied away from a big moment, and that continued to be the case throughout the season. All the way down, as we're just talking about, to the lead eight, winning against Arkansas, and the season comes to a close in a heartbreaking fashion against your biggest rival in North Carolina in the Final Four, but you walk away from that one, and Paulo was one of your best players on the floor all night long. So certainly wasn't his fault. They, they, they probably would have won that game if they could have gotten him the ball a little bit more yeah. in the second half. And that was, that yeah. was the, the, like, that was the most frustrating part of, of watching that, that final four game, because that was uh, that he was having a, he was having a really special tournament, obviously. Um, before, before I let you go here, um, we've talked a little bit about, about him. You know, I, I don't know how much you've watched of him lately, but we do have a dookie on, on the Orlando magic, a, a pretty big one, a, a pretty a guy who's really developed into a core player, but I was curious what what kind of your perspective is on the way Wendell Carter has has grown here in the last year and a half with the Orlando Magic. Obviously, he struggled a little bit uh, to find find his rhythm with the Chicago Bulls. Um, what what has been your thoughts on on how Wendell has developed? Is is he now becoming the player that that you thought he would be even when he left Duke? Absolutely, I, I love Wendell Carter Jr. I'm one of his biggest fans. Watching him play is. So exciting. You mentioned uh, kind of playing with big-time players at Duke like we've done this entire conversation. That 2018 season for the Duke Blue Devils, you've got Wendell Carter Jr. alongside Marvin Bagley III, a Duke team that made it all the way to the Elite Eight that season. That's really hard to kind of figure out how do you make these two bigs work, but the glimpses that we saw at Duke and the spacing limitations, again, that you've got in college basketball – you could just kind of be smart and figure out, okay, Wendell Carter Jr. clearly has this shot from the outside, very unique lob threat, really good rebounder and defender. 
in the college game. I think he's going to be a pretty good pro. And now he's got this opportunity uh, in Orlando with the Magic. I see him sporting goggles from time to time, which is a different look than we saw at Duke. Yeah, he so, got poked. He got poked it, in the eye a few times, and they were like, "Nope, you're you're goggling up." And he, <laughs> he he despises those things. I can only like, imagine any opportunity he gets to destroy a pair of glasses, he is destroying. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just been it's been so much fun to watch him uh, throughout his NBA career, and I'm excited for the opportunity that he's gotten there in Orlando. And so I can't wait to see what he's able to do over the next few seasons. Well, JJ, I want to thank you for taking the time to to come chat with us a little bit about about Paolo Bancaro. Given given Magic fans, certainly a lot to think about, as I'm sure Paolo is going to give the Magic a lot to think about when he eventually does come to Orlando uh, for an individual, at least, interview. I I, I don't think he'll be working out because that's just how the NBA works these days. Um, JJ, uh, tell everyone where they can find you if they want to learn a little bit more about, about Duke. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Don't forget those underscores. There are a lot of JJ Jacksons walking out around there. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I've got locked on Blue Devils every single day. Everything Duke basketball, uh, football season right around the corner. Not as great for Duke fans. Uh, That's why we talk basketball so much and have such a great community. Uh, For NBA fans out there, I'll go ahead and let you know that while Coach K is walking away from the sport, Duke, once again, is welcoming in the number one recruiting class in the country with the top three players in the sport coming into the college basketball sphere. So we're going to be having similar conversations again next year about Duke one and done prospects. Hopefully from the Magic perspective, you're not worried about it as much because you have a better season and you don't need to worry about that number one pick. But uh, yeah, check us out at Lockdown Blue Devils every day. And uh, Philip, I can't thank you enough for the invite here. Yeah, absolutely, and don't don't worry. The, we will still gladly take a Duke guy in, in the teens. They're <laughs> yeah. they're just as they're just as good there as they are at the top. And and again, we didn't get into it here, but uh, I, I would definitely say the Magic are, are would be in the hunt for Mark Williams if he slip if he slips down. I don't think he'll be there in the twenties, which is where I'm kind of targeting for the Magic to trade back up. Um, I think Trevor Keels is a very real option for the Magic uh, at 32 and 35, if not to trade up into the first round and get him. So there are plenty of uh, uh, good good Duke players to grab here in in this draft um i want to thank jj again for coming on you can of course find me on twitter at philip r underscore omd subscribe to locked on magic as well as locked on blue devils on itunes app on apple podcast sit your tune in himley google spotify odyssey all the fun places download podcasts to your podcast enable listening device and for the latest on the orlando magic be sure to check out orlando you can find us there on twitter at o magic daily for jj this has been philip we want to thank you again for listening to today's episode of locked on magic for JJ Jackson of Lockdown Blue Devils, as well as myself here at Lockdown Magic. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Lockdown Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.